Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run on your Monday night. I don't mind the new opener, too. A lot more energy to it. Just a bit more punch about it and a nice way to get in to the show this evening. I hope you've had a good day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It is wonderful to have you on board, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us on the SEN network. Uh, the Macca's Run, all about you having your say on the news of the day, and there is plenty to talk about. You can do so on the Harcourt's open line. Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts or you can text in on the Temper 40 Winks text line. Consumer choice winner. Temper text mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. Uh, your say on the news of the day. All thanks to Macca's. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. So I sat here Wednesday evening, uh, if you recall. If you missed the show, I was here Wednesday evening on the eve of finals Um. A lot like uh, a little kid at, at Christmas when you're not quite sure whether you will get the present that you've written to Santa asking for, that was how I felt in the build-up to finals last week. I was a little worried, I was a little pensive about what was about to unfold Thursday night last week. And I brought up that since the inception of the pre-finals buy, that week one of the finals has by and large been a dead-set fizzer. Apart from 2020... But in over that time, since the pre-finals, by only six of the games had been decided by 12 points or less. Two of them were in that 2020 year. So I was a little worried that after such an incredible season, I reckon the best in recent memory we've had this year, that we might be set for an all-time letdown. Sort of Game of Thrones, Seinfeld series finale-like levels of letdown for some people, depending on how you saw those. But I did say, and you told me, that you had a little feeling just a little glimmer of hope, too. You, we, we all agreed that, yeah, pre-finals by the games of week one, apart from 2020, have been pretty bloody dismal. But there was a little ray of hope that started to come through, and I shared what my ray of hope was and that I was holding on to. Was it because we've now made the, the most significant move into the entertainment era of football, we've taken a large step forward, a big leap forward, into the entertainment era of footy, where teams play fast, they play to win, they don't just play not to lose, that hopefully that was going to be how the finals played out. Well, (laughs) boy, oh boy, wasn't my mind put at ease, weren't all of our expectations exceeded beyond measure. What an absolute treat that was. That round of finals had everything. We were spoilt, really. That is the best week one of finals I've seen. It's certainly the best of the top eight era. I know 94 was phenomenal. But that, to me, had 
just about everything you could hope for. All the drama, had controversy, reputations made, reputations questioned, perceptions were all under the microscope too. It was a finals where reputations and perceptions were enhanced, diminished, and in a lot of cases changed. And you will have your own example of that. Whose reputation was enhanced, whose might have been diminished, or whose might be on hold, and, and, and who was able to change the view that we widely hold about them, whether it be a team itself or an individual. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to have your say on any of what unfolded across the course of the weekend and and anything on the news of the day. So Sydney for me, and we'll get to Sydney, was the the most impressive winner over the weekend. And a man who is at the focal point of one of the greatest pieces of commentary, simple, yes, but just brilliantly delivered commentary. Leo Barry, you star, is going to join us at 6.30. I might even ask him, Jordan Canellis. I played in an AFL Nines team when I was living in Sydney, and Leo Barry was playing for the team that beat us in the grand final, and he took, I won't say it was exactly the same mark, but he took a mark over me, and all I could think to say as I was picking myself up off the deck was Leo Barry, you star, and he just shook his head. He said, mate, it's not the first time I've heard that. I said, yeah, it was pretty good, though. Uh, so, anyway, it's not about me. It's about the Swans and Leo Barry, the hero um, of their 2005 premiership, will, will, will join us after 6.30. So, looking forward to that. But as we go through the rounds, and one three hundred seven three six seven three six to call in at any stage. So, Brisbane and Sydney, and we always start with the back page stuff uh, on Monday's edition of the Macca's Run. What news gets us to the back page? That's where you want to be. You don't want to be on the front page. We know what's on the front page, the score review, but we'll talk about that a little later. So Brisbane and, uh, and Richmond, the 106 to 104, two-point win. One team trying to end a perception of them not being able to perform in finals and the other trying to end the perception that the dynasty was over. Two highest-scoring teams in the competition, shoot out of the highest order. Richmond in the first half were just lethal on the counter-attack. Brisbane just kept coughing up the ball, simple skill errors, handballing it to flat-footed players, missing targets, all the basic stuff. And you thought, oh, the occasion looks like it might be... Uh, about to get the better of them again. Their defence looked brittle at times, but to their credit, and, and I think this will be the thing that they take most out of it, they, they were able to hang in. They just kept fighting. They just kept scrapping. They just kept hanging around. Um, they refused to be overwhelmed by the occasion and by the opponent, and they were able to manufacture and craft goals. They had four less inside 50 entries, and their entries weren't clean, really, were they? I mean, they took eight marks inside 50, nine less than Richmond. They had ten less contested marks, but they kept finding a way they kept finding a way to conjure up a score. So many times I thought Richmond looked fitter, looked faster, was set to overrun him. I kept saying to the beautiful Evie, I think they're out of steam. I think the Lions are out of steam. I tipped the Lions. I actually got four out of four in tipping. Not about me, but I did. Uh, I thought they, they are out on their feet here, but they just refused to relent. It was a gutsy, gutsy performance from both. Both teams were incredible. Several players from both teams were huge. At the end of the day, though, the two most important players, because of the jobs that they had, were Brandon Starsevich and Jaden Short. So Brandon Starsevich has the job on a player that we all agree is in the top five most dangerous players, the top five most elite, you know, whatever, you, whatever category you want to put him in. But Shea Bolton uh, is one of the best players in the competition. He is box office now. Three touches after halftime, Brandon Starsevich completely took him out of the game. When the game was there to be won, Brandon Starsevich completely shut Shea Bolton out. And Jaden Short, so he got the job after a while on Lockie Neal. 
And Lockie Neal was really the difference between the two sides in the end. 39 disposals, 15 clearances. His rundown tackle of Shea Bolton was as good as anything he did on the night with 40 seconds left. Nine score involvements, and Kingy said today that four of those were centre clearance goals. And he won the centre clearance. And I thought Chris Fagan summed it up best when he said, Richmond didn't deserve to lose, and neither did we. So never a truer word spoken in that game, because there was... A couple of shocking calls that went against Brisbane late as well. The Danaher block wasn't a block at all. It was legitimately flying for a mark, which you're allowed to do. And and the Daniel Rich running too far call was incorrect as well. But And we're going to speak about the score review. But just because you get the right result with the score review in the end doesn't excuse you for the way that you get it. It, it is an embarrassment of the highest order. There needs to be an intervention over the off-season from the clubs and the broadcasters. This cannot be allowed to go on the way in which is. I'm going to make an analogy about that a little later. Tigers fans, I know you're going to feel robbed, but coaches and good coaches never blame umpires. Damien Hardwick spoke about the system itself, but didn't blame it for the loss. He will probably look at the fact that Tom Lynch should have just kicked that goal. Yep, tight angle, but you're a few metres out. And at least one of the five Richmond defenders who are in the goal square at the time should have been able to stop Joe Danaher from kicking that goal. He had four more inside 50s and seven more centre clearances. So that will be, I think, what Damien Hardwick looks to in the end. Lions now meet their bogey team at, at their bogey venue. D's at the G haven't won there in 2014, and they've been touched up by Melbourne twice. Melbourne, Sydney on Friday night, 22-point win of the Swans. First half wasn't high scoring at all, was it? But it was high pressure, speed and tempo, physicality. It was brutal at times. There were compelling contests anywhere. Buddy and May with a heavyweight bout and May dominated that war, but it was that little crucial battle, wasn't it? And yes, the umpires had a little say in that, but that's what sparked Sydney. The free kick and then the 50 to Bud. Melbourne seemed to be able to absorb and work through Sydney's pressure. Sydney, one of the best pressure teams in the competition. Melbourne, I reckon, have got the cleanest handles and the best collective hands in the competition. Uh, the way they were able to work through it by, by slick and quick handballs, clean handballs, they were able to overcome that Sydney pressure in the first quarter and a half, and they dominated the contested ball. Halfway through the second, though, I don't know how they did it, but Sydney found another level of pressure. And then Melbourne started to crack, didn't they? Their inside 50s dried up a little bit, and they weren't as clean when they were going inside. They started to break. They started to fumble. They started to make crucial mistakes. And then in the last quarter, there was the Petrarca miss. Melksham missed a couple of goals. Gorn, that kick that went at a 90-degree angle. Tom Papley is the pulse of that team, I reckon. And, and what was the most impressive thing about Sydney is it was like a symphony. So it's not like a band where the guitarist comes out and does a solo or the lead singer's out the front or you get Tommy Lee up and rotating around in a cage doing a drum solo and it's all about him at that moment. This was a symphony where every single instrument played their part. No one was the standout, but everybody in unison created a standout team. And they did it differently than they did it last time they beat Melbourne, which shows how well coached they are, how well drilled they are, how quickly they can adapt, how quickly they can change on the run. Their game, I reckon, is in the best order of any of the remaining teams. Um, Sydney win, but they did it without Buddy, Isaac Heaney, Chad Warner, or the McCartans really having a major influence on the nine. If I'd have told you that that was going to happen, then you wouldn't have believed me that Sydney would have won with all of those players not having their best night. And Robottom, I reckon, is just a star. He plays in a way that defies how he looks. He is as workman as anyone. He's as tough as anyone in the comp, but he just looks like a little surfy kid. Um, Melbourne's biggest issue, I reckon, can you finish off your work? So it's the finishing touch to put on when they do all the other work. 22 points was the margin, but they only had two less inside 50s. 
poor disposal efficiency, poor inside 50 efficiency. Their defence is the best in the competition, and their contested game is probably the best amongst the finalists that still remain. That's what's holding their team together at the moment. They can't finish. They're a lot like Ben Simmons. Brilliant defensively, incredible handles, clean, move well. They look great. They can do it all, but they just can't score. And Melbourne and Sydney just didn't let them score from any of the turnovers either. And I'm curious, do they look as fit this year as they did last year, Melbourne? And Robbie Fox, by the way, is the first cab off the rank in Heroes and Villains after seven. His efforts, multiple efforts to deny Melbourne that certain goal in the last quarter might just be the greatest individual defensive effort of the year. Michael Frederick, though, will probably want to put his hand up and say, did you see mine? And I did. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Those are just the first couple of games that they're working through that we're working through at the moment. So I'd love to get your take, uh, your say on the news of the day. Lee's in Melton. G'day, Lee. Hello, Lee. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, got you, mate. Far away. Yeah, that's right. So being a Freo supporter, I'm pretty ecstatic of the weekend of the way the boys, you know, played the game that tough. They had to get the win. But um, I have mates that are dog supporters, and I have a feeling I reckon they're not uh, all impressed with the the game style of, uh, of Luke Beveridge. There's definitely a flaw there, and, there was um, also something said on the Sunday footy show about the difference, the comparison between the 2021 grand final and obviously the final just uh, last Saturday, just leaking goals. There's, there's obviously a deficiency there, and he needs to change that up. Or, and yeah, I, I don't think they're happy with him at all, to be honest. Um, I think there's, I think it's one of those things where you look at. I mean, Kingy spoke about. Actually, it was Mark Robinson in his article in, in the tackle where their pressure in the first quarter and second quarter was over 200, their rating. It fell down to below 150 in the quarters that preceded. So that you might want to say, hey, what's Luke Beveridge doing? But what were the players doing? Why did they suddenly stop doing all the things that they'd been doing in the first half? I mean, they kicked six goals to nothing to start that game. They were 41 points up. It took the second biggest, it took the second biggest comeback in AFL-era finals history. And the dogs allowed it to happen. So, that, yep, I understand what you're saying, that there's going to be questions after the coach because the buck starts and stops there. But what happened to the Bulldogs players? Where did their pressure go, Lee? Well, I don't know, but I think some of the selections that he's made as well could be a bit confusing in regards to, like, saying Robbie McCoom and Vandermeer. Just, I just don't think they're quite up to AFL standards at the moment in regards to being in that team by the looks of it, too. Yeah, look, I'm never one to comment on who is and who isn't up to AFL standard. Um, I think there's some areas that, as someone who hasn't played the game at the highest level, that I don't go near out of respect to those that have. Um, But more than happy for you to to throw that up. I won't sort of make a comment there. But, yeah, there's some big questions to be asked at the Western Bulldogs um, over the, you know, where are they actually at? Are they still a contender? Do they still have pieces coming through that keep them up in that bracket? You know... Luke Beveridge has been there a long time now. Um, a change in message or an change in approach. Every good coach does that. They reinvent themselves as a coach. All the great ones do. And, and he is their greatest ever coach, Luke Beveridge. So I'm sure that he will be able to identify the areas that need correcting and then make the necessary changes to them. Uh, Mark is in Quakers Hill. Uh, hello, mate. Oh, one day. One day this thing will work properly for me. Hang on, Mark. There we go. Mark, fire, yeah, Mark, fire away, mate. Okay. Um, I agree with you, Sam. I think the best match over the weekend was the Sydney Swans. I mean, I'm not just saying that being a passionate Swans supporter, but the way they came back was just totally amazing. 
I don't think it was the best game. I think it was the best performance. I just want to clarify that. It wasn't the best game, but I think think, Sydney was the best performance. Yeah, well, I think it was the best game and the best performance. And I believe um, the team's just gelling really well. And the person most responsible for that is John Longmire. I mean, the guy and the coaching staff, they are just amazing the way they managed to get the new guys and the veterans to gel so well and not just perform, but perform really well to come back from a deficit like we had on Saturday night. It's just amazing. And I think Sydney is the best chance for taking the premiership this year. Mark, love the passion. Love your call. Always great to hear from you. As I said, I think their game is in the most complete order of any of the teams that are currently left in it. So whether that means that they can go on and uh, maximise on that to, or capitalise on that to win a premiership, I don't know. But to, to my humble, in my humble opinion, to my eye, their game looked in the best order of any of the teams throughout the course of the weekend with the least amount of deficiencies to it. Despite getting smashed in the contested ball, um, everything else, though, looked incredible. Uh, this was David King, by the way, on Richmond's flow being affected by Lockie Neal's huge game as we go to the break and continue to come back with your calls and quickly touch on the other two games as well. I do think Damien Harbick tried some things. You know, he had Cochin go to him, he had Short go to him, he had Pickett go to him. He, he, he did try. And Prestia was trying to go to him before he, he got banged up. So I do think they tried a lot of different options, but he just destroyed every one of them. So they're now effectively trying. They're wasting a position in the midfield on a run with type that, that is having no effect. So the games of Short and Pickett, and all, they're all impacted. The, the offensive flow from those guys is impacted because you're trying to clamp Lockie Neal. So there are other flow and effects that we don't really speak about. But we didn't see Short at his best. We didn't see Pickett at his best because their head's in another space. Jesus, both got another one. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Oh, it's a typical finals game, I thought. You know, with big contests and uh, pressure the whole whole way through. Um, you know, credit to Sydney. They were, they were obviously too good. But, you know, the game, despite the scoreboard not going over, we won, we won contests in time and a half, which are things we sort of look at. So we're not... You know, we're... We're certainly not uh, beaten yet. We've got obviously a huge game coming up, and our game's in half decent shape. We just need to be, I think, more efficient going forward, which has been the the, the thing all year. So we're we're, we're back to work today, and um, no, looking forward to it. It's very exciting. Angus Brayshaw uh, from the D speaking to Gary and Bucks a little earlier on today as we continue just to work our way through some of the, the major talking points of an incredible week one of finals. I'm in agreements with Jerry Waitley and Dwayne Russell. It is the best first week of finals that I can remember seeing and it is especially the first in the uh, AFL top eight era. Uh, 1-300-736-736-0433-98-1116. couple of people texting me saying, uh, why aren't you taking my calls? I don't answer the phone, so please don't direct your anger at me. I'm sure uh, JK will, will accommodate your every need, um, and if he's not answering, it's uh, because he's probably answering other calls as well. We do get a fair bit of traffic to come through, but please don't ring in Kraken. Please don't text in Kraken and at me. Uh, so Geelong and Collingwood, 91,000 people on Saturday. Extraordinary, extraordinary uh, that atmosphere of that game. I mean, I was watching that at home, and then uh, in the build-up to me calling uh, Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs, and that is uh, that. I reckon that was the most intense and stressful of all the final game. It was exhausting. It was huge. It was just 
pulsating and heaving the MCG. And I wasn't even there. A, a reputation and perception game. Collingwood wanting to ride that wave in close games. Can they do it again? Is it luck? Or is it something more? Geelong, can they win a qualifying final under Chris Scott? That's just their second in 10. Can Gary Rowan stand up in a final? And the answer to those questions were no, yes, and yes. Gary Rowan kicked 3-1. He had four marks inside 50 and involved in the moment that won the game. Uh, This game was, as I said, the most intense, brutal, stressful, um, just in terms of the atmosphere. Geelong just couldn't go with the pies in that first term, could they? I was saying the beautiful Evie said... You're making them look slow. You're making them look old. They can't run with you. Geelong are the best first team in the competition, statistically, and the Pies just blew them away in everywhere but the scoreboard. They kicked 3-5. They kept the Cats at one goal from 11 entries. Normally, the Cats are the third most efficient goals per inside 50 team in the competition. 20 points up late in the first. Jeremy Cameron gets the first for the Cats to ignite them. Two goals up early in the last. And this is despite... Geelong resting Dangerfield and Selwood in the opening sort of seven minutes of every quarter, except the last. Um, it should have been done early in the last as well. Collingwood had three extra inside 50s, but Geelong just seemed to find a way, didn't they? They made the most of their opportunities going forward. They were able to absorb the Collingwood pressure. Rowan changed the perception we have of him. I know, does one game change your reputation? Well, the question was, could he stand up in a final? And he absolutely did. Um, Jeremy Cameron certainly enhanced his. Of their 23 scores, he had a hand in 12 of them. He was the difference. Max Holmes is going to be lauded for a long time for getting from halfback into the forward pocket to help Gary Rowan out of his darkest hour. He had fallen in a hole, Gary Rowan, and literally fallen over after dropping a mark. But luckily, Max Holmes was there for him. And uh, I don't think Max Holmes will ever buy a beer again, especially when Gary Rowan's around. Uh, the Cats dominated the contested ball. It was a difference in the end. But their efficiency inside 50, 49% to 43%. The AFL will be wrapped through because the Pies get another game at the G. Um... And the Dockers, we've, we've spoken about a little bit, second greatest comeback in the AFL era. Bombers in 93 is the biggest. They went on to win the flag that year. 41 points down in the second. Longmuir, they were flatlining. He got out the defibrillator, rubbed it together, yelled out clear. He somehow revived them. He revived them so badly that it was like they'd come back to life mid-funeral. They were gone. And then the dogs just fell in a hole. They couldn't get out of it. The pressure just dropped. And Michael Frederick, the rundown of Ed Richards to force it to Sonny Walters, he came from out of screen to apply that pressure and wasn't that one of the greatest moments in Dockers history it was their greatest comeback ever it was the greatest round of finals ever we'll talk about it with Leo Barry uh, on the other side of this Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's I felt like we just had to get that first goal under our belt and then the momentum was going to come and the crowd was getting behind us. So it took us a little while and um, a lot longer than we would have liked. But, yeah, I think that was a big turning point and I think the whole energy of the whole team lifted after that and we were off and running. Um, credit to the Bulldogs, they came out really strong early. Um, they hit us hard with their pressure and contest and um, took us a little bit of time to match it. I think we fumbled a bit early and our basics were a bit off and what you put that down to, I'm not sure, but... Um, we have really strong belief in our team that we can um, grind away and, and get ourselves back in the game, and, and we did that. Sam Switkowski from the Freo Dockers at his presser today just needed to get that first goal, and they'd conceded the first six, and after that, they kicked 11 goals to the Bulldogs' two. Just have a think about that for a moment. 11 goals to two after the Western Bulldogs had a 41-point lead. That is an extraordinary turnaround. 
and now what's possible for them, we will wait and see. Uh, they've got the pies at the MCG this weekend and uh, looking forward to that as well. And I'm sure the AFL are too. The Pies fans will show up and show out again and it'll be a profitable uh, afternoon at the MCG or profitable evening at the MCG. Uh, Cameron on the sunny coast. G'day, Cam. G'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Thanks for holding. What do you got for me? No, no, too easy, mate. I just want to talk about the Geelong Collingwood game. Um, I thought it was a great game, what you said earlier before. I thought it was very stressful um, coming into the final series. Um, I look at matchups, and the two teams that worried me the whole season well, coming into finals is Collingwood and Sydney. I think Collingwood played probably the best game that they could have played. Those Dacos boys are absolute freaks, and Jordan Dugowie should take your bloody hat off for what he did for them. I believe that Geelong played two good quarters, and it was enough to get us over the line. It's, it's just matchups. Like they have a small forward line, and we can't run and gun with them. And that's the same with Sydney, and that worries me as well. But I think we'll beat Melbourne, because I think Brisbane will lose to Melbourne, and I think we've got Melbourne's measure, because they've got a couple of key opponents up front. We can cover Fritch, we can cover Brown, and the two big lugs down the back, which is obviously May and um, Lever. Geelong will have all that, not a problem. My concern is, or, or a little bit, actually, I won't say concern, but my disappointment on the first qualifying final is the fact that they put in, um, didn't have Brandon Parford playing. Like, if you want a, a bull around the ball, I would have picked Parford. And I felt sorry for Grind Mize because he got found out a little bit, but he's been great all season. I thought that would have been a better option. And I feel that Gary Rowan missing that first goal in that first 20, 30 seconds, I think that would have turned the game a little bit differently. But um, other than that, I just think it was a great game, extremely stressful, and all the people that are called up, because, you know, me, mate, I listen to SEN 24-7. It's in my pocket at work. I go to bed with it uh, all the time. I think Jared Wheatley hit the nail on the head, the Jack Ginnipin thing. If he hadn't done the Superman dive, he would have got the free kick. I totally agree with that, but because he exaggerated it and made it look more than what it was, I think that went against him. There was plenty of, like, Collingwood supporters ring up, 85 tackles and no holding the ball. I thought the umpiring was up and down all night. I think there was a lot of off-the-ball stuff that we could have got free kicks for, and a few people rang in and spoke about that as well. But I'm not going to take away from what a wonderful, spectacular afternoon I had. I had to go over and apologise to the neighbours for swearing, and I did apologise for <laughs> no, them yelling and screaming at the, at the TV. You're a good man, Cam. Uh, cheers, Sabby. Always just... appreciate the call, mate. Thank you so much. It's funny, isn't it? The best first uh, finals week, first week one of finals we've ever seen, and people will still find a way to blame the umpires for everything. I guess that's just footy. In the end, Geelong only got one more free kick uh, than Collingwood did for the entire game. I understand the need to look at holding the ball. I think that's just a, a part of a broader issue in the game. I think you go through every game and have a look at high tackle counts and how many were actually paid for holding the ball. I, I didn't think Ginevan exaggerated as much as maybe Waitman or Hawkins did earlier in the year. I still think it was a definite free kick. Um, there might not be a different set of rules um, for Jack Ginevan, as Luke Darcy said, but if there's ever if there's one player who would be as close to that as possible, it would be him. But that's a conversation we can have for another day. Let's get into what I think was the best perform team or the best performance by a team overall uh, for the week one of finals, and that was the Sydney Swans. And it's a pleasure to be joined by uh, this man. It's along the boundary line. Oh, good mark by Cox. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for the oh. One of the all-time great grand final moments, one of the all-time great grand finals calls, and just one of the all-time great 
AFL people. Leo Barry's been good enough, the former Swan champion, premiership player, to jump on the line with us. Leo, hello, mate. Yeah, how are you? I'm really well. Now, um, I don't want to make this about me, but I just thought I'd ask you a very quick question. Uh, 2013, I reckon it was, maybe even 2012, I was playing AFL 9s in Sydney when I was there for a year. Um, and uh, we actually lost our grand final uh, to a team that you were playing in, and you took a very good mark, almost similar to that mark that day, and there was just a, a, a bald bloke with a beard that looked up off the ground after you'd taken a hanger on me and said, Leo Barry, you star, and you just shook your head and laughed and ran off. Uh, don't know if you remember that at all, but that was actually me that you took that grab on. <laughs> Look, uh, I don't think I can get off the ground uh, at the moment, but uh, and unfortunately I don't remember the, uh, the particular incident, and... Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm obviously made a fair impression on, on yourself, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, the impression yeah, was the, the, the knee in the back of the head. No I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that would have been non-contact. Uh, I apologise for that. It should have been a free kick. No, life. not at all. Oh, no, you deserve. It was a great mark, and, and you deserve to win. As I said, not about me, but I just wanted to see if you remember, uh, and absolutely fine that you don't. Hey, um. There's been a lot of talk about the the Sydney win and how it feels like such a reconnection to the the, the Bloods culture. And I, I made the point before that if I had have told, if if we had have said leading into the game that Sydney are going to beat the reigning premiers um, by about 22 points, um, and they're going to do it without match winning performances from uh, Buddy Franklin, uh, Isaac Heaney. Uh, Chad Warner and the McCartan boys really won't have much in the way of intercept marking yeah. uh, dominance throughout yeah. the course of the game. I don't think anyone... I think we would have been laughed at, but that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it, it, was a really, it was a really great game. Obviously, went went along and the way we were able to, um, you know, really constrain Melbourne, who... You know, clearly have a you know one of the sort of best defence and also you know really strong midfield, um, and to keep them or at least nullify them. You know, I think yeah, you know, the the game certainly was swinging in the balance, but I think our form, you know, and going to, in a finals campaign, you know, ha, you know, having been involved in, in in a few as well, if you've got that momentum and the, and the form going into the back end of of the season, you know, at least the back month, it puts you in really good stead, and I, and I suppose. You know, part of any sort of you know good potential team that can have a real tilt, you, you need a really strong defence, and that's uh, that sort of epitomised by the by the Swans game on the weekend. I think just our ability to pressure, and that's what um, you know that, that's what wins finals games. You know, clearly Melbourne had a couple couple of injuries to you know a couple of their key players, but I I just think some of the sort of lesser, lesser names or household names we you know a few of the players like you know Robot and Florent. You know, a lot of other opposition teams might and uh, might not have seen these kids play that much before. They were absolutely, um, you know, amazing on, the, on, the, on their form. And and to, to their credit, they've you know they've been relatively consistent through the through the whole year. And you know, even much maligned players like you know Sam Reid, who's probably in the twilight of his career, he's, he's probably playing career best form. So you, you bundle all that up together, and it, and what uh, Tom Hickey was able to you know do in the ruck as well against <laughs> arguably the best uh, rock, ruck combination in the comp. Um, you know, makes for a pretty good uh, you know, res- recipe for success, and you know, the team were, were really um, you know excited after the game post um, such a good win. Spoke about how in good order 
Sydney have their game. And yes, Melbourne dominated them in the contested ball, but that's an area where they've made such drastic improvement from from about the halfway mark of the year or maybe a little bit earlier. They've really rocketed up um, in terms of the differential numbers week in, week out. What's impressing you the most about the way in which the, the Swans are playing, Leo? Uh, I, I think the ability to um, you know absorb opposition you know, pressure, and I'll probably, you know, come back to the McCartan brothers, they've really shored up our, our defence, you know, probably, would be probably being seen as a bit bit more sort of fragile and maybe a little bit short, but what, what Paddy McCartan's been able to do is really, you know, provide that extra tool in our defence, and, you know, the ability to constrain, you know, teams when they do come forward has been a feature of, you know, pretty much the majority of the year. And probably secondly is just the um, the amount of numbers we can roll through our through the midfield. Um, you know, you could basically throw a blanket over sort of seven or eight guys at any particular time can roll through the midfield. You know, you, you know, you know, Melbourne. You know, they have a really classy, you know, four or five guys. But maybe our, I think our depth really showed or came came to the forefront on the um, on the week on Friday night, which you know that evenness across the team and you know regardless if you have a couple of your, your key players down um you know you're still able to kick a winning score and and i suppose that's even reflected with you know buddy and isaac who are arguably our our uh, a better forward line you know papley and some of these other you know um uh will haywood uh those guys are able to you know contribute to it you know kick a winning score and it was um it was a really you know four quarter effort which um which hopefully we can continue for the rest of the final series just another one on the Bloods culture. So it's, it gets thrown up and it's coming and we're talking about it more and more because people are believing that there's um, an almost re-emergence of it. Um, for those that aren't aware, to you, what does Bloods culture mean? Oh, look, it's, um, you know, it's like anything. It, 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 it can be sometimes a bit of a flippant, flippant word culture, but I I think if you, you know, a lot of the players have pride and ownership in the, in the footy club and their own their own performance, playing sort of for and with each other, and and I suppose you know, putting it bluntly, there's no individual that's greater than the the, the, the broader team, and you know, um, there's quite a few other areas which I know the club still work at, and we've you know we've really had a strong um, you know program for you know as good as two, the last sort of two decades under Paul Ruse and John Longmire, and having that stability really helps. Um, you know, winning games it, it does get a bit more of a focus on, but it's you know, it's it's about um, you know developing young kids as soon as they they you know, walk into the door and have an appreciation of you know the the history of the footy club, you know what's expected of them to be successful at the footy club, and you know it's uh, it's cheap's are pretty words are pretty cheap, but until you actually uh, execute it, which is can sometimes be a hard thing, it's um, you know I think it's 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 one of the main reasons why it's, our club's been so successful over the last couple of decades. So that can um, that can disintegrate disintegrate pretty quickly but um you know under horse he's he's managed to um continue to rejuvenate the the footy club and also rejuvenate the list and um it's good to see everyone having real firm belief in um in their own performance do you is there an area of the swans game at the moment that that has you a little concerned i mean if you were to if we get to the end of this season and maybe the swans make a grand final maybe they don't but but do you think if you crystal balled it, what would be the area you think that might be their biggest hurdle to overcome or might cause, you know, th- that slip up if that's to happen? Oh, uh, look, no, I think we I think we look relatively solid across each um you know, across the ground. Um there aren't any sort of glaring holes for us. I suppose 
you know, injuries might might throw up a couple of um, you know a couple of obstacles. You know, uh, Hickey's been instrumental in the in the uh, in the ruck. If you know, if you were to get a an injury to uh, the likes of himself, it might sort of um, yeah expose a little bit of uh, lack of depth at, at, at the moment. Laddams obviously he, he got suspended more recently, so he's not available for the final series, which is disappointing. But um, yeah, that's probably probably one area which I'd, I'd, I'd probably you'd be a bit, bit concerned about. But no, it's to, to be honest, it's probably we're in a pretty good space. So we don't have a hell of a lot of injuries, and and you look at all the teams that have been successful in the past. Um, you know they use you know almost as less as sort of 25 players, and I know that's a similar sort of case to, for us today. I'm not sure exactly about the exact number, but. I know our reserves only just got knocked out on the weekend, and you know we've got a lot of players or almost our full list to choose from. So that that's that's something that's um, you know partially what the reason why we're able to put our best team on the paddock each week and uh, and also have some uh, success. So they're probably a couple of things which you know you always worry about. Leo, it's been a Leo Barry, uh, former Swans captain, uh, premiership player as well. Leo, every time that a team wins a premiership, and indeed if they win multiple, a lot's pointed to about their ability to accept. You know, you listen to the lines. They always used to talk about those those three-peat lines players would always say, Lee Matthews, one of his greatest well-known catchphrases for them was, know your role, accept your role, play your role. Um, that seems so crucial to any team that has success to know that you might not be the guy or the man, but you have a role and do everything you can to yeah. exceed in that role. Um, Robbie Fox might be the greatest epitome of that. Uh, I think he's a rookie listed player <laughs> way back, yeah. but but this is a guy yeah. that that goes well. I'm in the team to make sure that I just never give up on a defensive contest, and 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 I put his effort in that halfway through the last quarter, and then he got some help uh, in the end by Dane Rampey. But that, to me, might be the greatest individual defensive play of the year, to deny what looked like a certain goal. Now, you as a, as a defender, when you were watching that, surely you're up out of your seat. But just talk to that and the importance of that know your role, accept your role, play your role ethos. Oh, look, at that, and that's part of back to the, um, you know, the culture that we, you know, and... You know that uh, you know that sort of ethos around the Bloods. It, it's been sort of the foundation of our footy club for quite a while, and um, you know it comes back to you know, the individual is certainly not as big as a team. But and Robbie Fox, you know, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for all the defenders, and and Robbie's form over the last couple of years has actually been really, really strong. He's had a couple of injuries uh, along the way, but you know you could only count on maybe one hand the amount of times he's actually been beaten. He's a he's a hell of a comp- competitor. Um, and I suppose you know he's at 28. You know he's you know probably a late uh, a late bloomer, and he, I think he understands that. But one thing you can guarantee with um, with Foxy is he'll he'll compete and he'll he'll try, and that's always been a feature of him. It was an amazing passage of play on the, on uh, on Friday night. You know the spoil the smother and you know, the the uh, the one percenters. That's what uh, that's what wins your games in the end, or in, and especially in tight finals. So it's great to see him um, you know have some success and. Hopefully, he's looking forward to um, you know finishing off uh, his strong year. Leo, last question. I'm sure that there's years where you've looked at where the Swans are at and thought, no, nah, they just don't have you know those young players aren't experienced enough. They just don't have this facet or that facet, or they don't. And I asked you what the weaknesses were, but now when you look at it all, and people will say, oh, you know, he's a Swans guy, he's biased, but you're also a very good judge of football. Do you look at where the Swans are at now? The list they've got, the team they've got, the way they're playing, and and do you are you believer? Are you 
are you feeling like there is there is something special about to happen here? Is this a premiership year? Because there's some that say, oh, no, it's a year too early. Is Can, can this be a, a year? Can this be the year? Oh, look, I, I, I think you, you have to say, yeah. They, I think um, we've got a good mix of depth. We've got plenty of experienced players, quite a few young, energetic uh, young players. And I suppose, you know, finals experience is one thing. But, um, you know, majority of the, the team has, you know, played plenty of finals, um, you know, through that sort of mid, um, uh, mid-team. So, yeah, I look, uh, and you look across the ground, you know, I think we're, we can sit pretty comfortably against most other teams across the, you know, the forward line, the back line and, and the midfield and just with our um, amount of depth. And, um, and um, I, I think it sort of uh, indicated on the weekend, we're not relying on, you know, Buddy kicking six goals or... Isaac Keeney kicking four or five, or you know, some of our midfielders getting thirty. So we're a pretty even team, and you know, you look at all the all the the most recent successful teams. They're they're pretty consistent across the ground, and you know, have a um, a good mix of um, you know, experience and also um, you know youth and exuberance. So look, I, I think we're you know we're we're a good chance, as as good a chance as anyone, but. Still got another uh, another couple of games uh, to uh, to go, but um, yeah, I think we're 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 sitting in a reasonable position. Leo, you are a star, mate. Thank you so much for for being on. Greatly appreciate it, and it's going to be one hell of a ride uh, in the lead up to what hopefully for you and, and all the other Sydney faithful will be another grand final appearance. And in the meantime, they're the most entertaining team to watch in the comp as it is anyway. So I'm sure we're going to enjoy the ride whichever way it takes us. Thanks so much for being on the show. No dramas. Thanks, that. Uh, Leo Barry, what a good man, uh, was able to jump on with us at, at short notice, and we greatly appreciate it. Uh, when we come back, just a little update uh, from uh, from the US Open today. It's been a good day for the Australians, and we'll update you on that on the other side of this. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. Score a one-in-four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Macca's. Finals footy is a completely different game and um, for us we know how good Brisbane can be when they're um, up and going and uh, for us we're going to have to, you know, we'll probably look at some of the things that we did um, last game but for us we understand that this is a totally new ball game and um, they were pretty, pretty impressive on Thursday night especially with their scoring so um, as a team that you know really values defence in us, we're, we're looking forward to having that challenge and um, we know that they'll be up for the fight, so it probably just goes straight out the door. It speaks for itself. They're a pretty talented forward line, um, so every time we've come up against them, we've we've tried to try, try and match it with them, but um, we understand that, uh, yeah, as I said, they're pretty talented, so, um, yeah, just don't let them kick goals. That, <laughs> that'd be the nice thing, but obviously um, in games of footy, they're going to kick goals, so... Um, yeah, we'll be looking forward to the challenge as a back seven, but as a whole team, definitely. Jake Lever at his presser at the Melbourne Footy Club today. Um, welcome back to the Maccas Run. Score a one in four chance to win with the Monopoly game at Maccas. Um, a couple of other bits of footy news making uh, the rounds at the moment, or doing the rounds at the moment. I'll update you on everybody's injury concerns at the moment. There's been some delistings uh, at the minute as well. The AFL Coach Association, uh, Gary Ayres medal votes, and a few other things. But just some other sport. Uh, Nick Kyrgios today upset world number one uh, and reigning US Open champion. Champion Daniel Medvedev, a four-set win to move in to the quarterfinals. And he dethrones the champion and is through to the quarterfinals. Amazing. Um, I 
I'm just glad I'm, I'm just glad I'm finally able to show New York, you know, my talent. Um, honestly, I haven't had many good trips here, to be honest. I haven't played great tennis, so I'm really glad that I'm able to show you guys the work and the, ded the dedication. Finally, it took me 27 years. Backing up a win over Serena Williams on Friday night, Tomjanovic advances to her first U.S. Open quarterfinal. Huge because, you know, I came out feeling pretty flat and I was thinking to myself that um, last 48 hours have been a lot. And But something in me was saying, you know, this is not where I stop and I want to give it my all even if I go down, but just with a little more fight. So the fact that I won, I'm still a little speechless. <laughs> And Ola Tomjanovic, I think it was five games to one down, but came back for a straight sets win over her Russian opponent, Samson Nova, this afternoon. So that's huge for the Aussies. Macca's run up next. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.